What's going on, everybody? This is James Ray, Master Facts Voice, and you're here for another episode of The Facts Project. Today, I have to talk about a serious topic that it's obviously taken me a long time to get here. And it just so happens to revolve around the latest smash, I guess, if you want to call it the summer movie blockbuster. Um, I'm not going to say of the summer yet because there's still a lot more out there they, they could do. But Spider-Man Across the Universe, uh, across, I'm sorry, Across the Spider-Verse was fucking phenomenal. And it took me a while to just digest this and get this out properly. And it was due to the fact that the artwork in this movie basically made it stand out for exactly what it is. And that is a cinematic timepiece, a core memory of such that only can happen, I guess, maybe once or twice every generation. If you come to realize exactly what this movie did and how it did it, it was more so based on the fact that um, generationally, you have people like myself. I'm in my 40s. And I went to see it and I was blown away. But also sprinkled in salt and pepper throughout the entire theater was nothing but kids all over the place. And they have grown in the past few years, of course, with Into the Spider-Verse and seeing Miles Morales as this perennial character in the Marvel Universe. And yet it's a somewhat of a new character, if you want to call it that, because it is an incarnation of Spider-Man that we're seeing on film in animation form. And in the comics, you know, he's not seen as this. There's been some very, uh, I'd say crossover events, Civil War II, um, whether his addition to the Champion series that came out uh, maybe around like uh, five years ago. These are some of the things that Miles Morales has been a part of that have drawn interest into the new crowd. The fact that this movie was actually made with Miles standing in the forefront of being, just being Spider-Man. Yes, we're going to showcase Peter Parker, but it's more so of a passing the torch moment. And it was almost like, even with his inception, it's like, why is that? You know, Peter, better yet, even just the character of Spider-Man is maybe, if you opinionated, one, two, three comic book characters of all time. If you want to say Superman, Batman are one and two, and then you give Spider-Man three, if you want to put Spider-Man one and this Batman, Superman, however you display it, he's either one, two, or three. And as far as all-time characters, Spider-Man reigns supreme in Marvel, however you want to twist it. Um, even in the fact of how he's been done in live action, you know, every thing got put at a standstill when Sam Raimi's Spider-Man first came out. 
because of how a perennial character like that was being made. Batman, it came out in the 80s. Superman, it came out in the 80s. And it done tremendously well. Sequels galore still to this day. You know, they still do their movies. Spider-Man got released early 2000s. Very much later, if not 15, 20 years later than those two characters. But yet, when that, it was a game changer. It was absolutely a game changer. And the character by itself holds so much weight that for them to actually do a movie with a multiversal character that is Spider-Man itself in Miles Morales also held that much weight. When Into the Ver Spider-Verse came out, it seemed as though it was at a time that there was a cultural shift, of course. Um, the artwork in it, the storyline of, of course, this biracial multicultural kid from Brooklyn who just so happens to get bit by a radioactive spider. Same story, files the same origin, and yet it's so much cooler. It's that much cooler. I mean, not to say that Peter Parker isn't a cool character, but it it almost makes Miles arguably the cooler one. You know? So it I had to watch it a couple times. And I had to let it, you know, marinate a little bit. So much so that after seeing the movie, I submitted a panel for New York Comic Con. Um I also bought the pre-order of this lovely book, which is the art of the movie. Because the art was so dope, I had to get the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, the art of the movie, which has Brian Stelfreeze in it, uh, Sanford Green, um, Ami Thompson. It's, it's just excellent art. I mean, bro, if you've seen the movie, the artwork in there makes it phenomenal. No two characters look the same. No two characters are drawn the same. No two landscapes look the same. All the multiversal spots and locations that are bought throughout this are out of this world. The villain spot, I mean, if you want to call him the actual villain of the story, the way that he's drawn when his power scale starts to rise and everything and how he starts to vibrate throughout the room, like that shit was intense. Oh, like it, it, it just made it that much more of a substantial movie. But then again, like I said, I'm in my forties. I watched an animated form because, um, as a precursor or a prerequisite, I watched Transformers and I watched GI Joe. Both of them were succeeded by a feature movie. Both of those did absolutely phenomenal in my eyes. I still, I think it's been like 30 years, 30 some odd years since the Transformers, the movie came out. And it's been almost, I'm pretty sure it's been 30 years since GI Joe, the movie came out and they still stand out in my mind, no matter how many Michael Bay movies transcend the audience 
into what Optimus looks like like on a live screen because of digital uh digital artwork and CGI. That shit changed my life because of the storyline. You know. Whether it was the death of Optimus Prime, the transformation of Megatron into Galvatron, you know, uh, Rodimus Prime and how he was created, Unicron being brought forth for the first time. I know that there was recently Rise of the Beast where Unicron was basically brought about on the lot on on the screen for the very first time, and the Unicron that I saw, holy shit! With the mu the music, it, it, once again, core memories. Think about that. G.I. Joe, the movie, one of the illest entrance themes to a movie I've ever seen. That Cobra theme over the Statue of Liberty and how that came about and literally like Duke getting stabbed in the chest with a snake javelin by Serpentor. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, God damn. Like a Cobra Commander turning into a snake, Roblox going blind, core memories, core memories. These are the things that pretty much happened in the movie that stood out in my mind, you know, and this, I can imagine what it felt like for a kid eight to 12 years old watching into the Spider-Verse and then watching this one. No, we didn't get sequels to Transformers the movie or G.I. Joe the movie at all. And you can honestly, you can, you can honestly say that Across the Spider-Verse is better than Into the Spider-Verse. It is a quintessential great sequel. Usually sequels are duds because how can you top the first one? The first one was a cultural shift. This one another cultural shift in how they've displayed it. And even the cliffhanger, you know, you almost look at it as though people recently, because of how comic book movies have been more singular than anything. Uh, they've always talked about the next phase and they've wanted to jump into a multiversal type storyline for a very long time. MCU was doing it. DC's doing it. Uh, shoot, Invincible currently on Amazon Prime is talking about doing it in season two, which is probably going to happen. So they're looking for certain ways to incorporate multiversal stories because it adds more characters. You want to sell more toys, right? So why not give more of a multiversal type storyline? And I feel like with this, it's one of the best to do it because it, it not only just jumps from one dimension to another, it jumps to about like maybe 10 of them. And then you're meeting characters within that time frame and you're learning their skill sets. Like they've taken the time in this movie to introduce you to other incarnations of Spider-Man and actually tell, they'll tell you what their power sets are. They'll tell you Miguel O'Hara uh, basically has claws or that he's built with fangs unlike any other Spider-Man or um, the fact that uh, Kane, uh, the, I'm sorry, Ben Riley is highly emotional and talks to himself like he's fucking Batman all the time. Um, 
you know, like these are uh, Hobie Brown. Spider Punk was like the underrated character of this whole thing. And he didn't even have that many lines. But people saw him as so cool that you wanted more of him on the screen. And, and note, when you see him on screen, he's not in the same type of artwork that anybody else is because it's a cooler look. You know? But I have to say this. And it's 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 a pretty strong opinion. I don't want to see Miles Morales in live action. And you might be thinking to yourself, bro, come on, man. Get off your high horse. Of course they're going to show Miles Morales in live action. It's only like it's only right. It's pretty much inevitable. It's going to happen. Da 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 da. I don't want it. Like I I don't. And 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 here's the reason why. I watch DC animated movies thoroughly for a good number of years, more than a decade. And they are held at high regard for me. Very near and dear to my heart. From Flashpoint Paradox to all the way to Justice League War, uh, Justice League Dark Side War, um, Justice League Dark Dark Side War, and so on and so forth. If you want to go to Red Sun, the Superman, they they went and they went in so many categories. They went everywhere. And note the the art, the animation, artwork, and the storylines, fucking phenomenal. You almost thought to yourself, be like, eh, if if they'd have did the Flashpoint story verbatim, bar for bar, line for line, scene for scene, and made that into this Flash movie that just got released that was pretty much a goddamn dud, might have had a different conversation moving forward. But Ezra was in it and he fucked it from the beginning. My thing is the DC animated universe really skewed my perception of how I wanted the DCEU to be. So every time I look at a DC movie, I compare it to DC animation, which is horrible. You know, it's not like comparing live action to live action. You're comparing an animated movie to live action and that should be you know that should be wrong right you shouldn't look at it like that there's they're not the same i don't see them as that there's certain things that i see that are based in comic books and how comic books look that only animation can do that they can't be duplicated into live action the aesthetics of a comic book have to look a certain way before they're translated into animation. And for some odd reason, when you put actors and human, actual human beings involved and ask them to be OP characters, it always kind of looks fucked up. That's why I always feel as though the street level heroes always look dope. When you saw Daredevil on Netflix, that looked Phenomenal. You saw Punisher on Netflix. Phenomenal. You know, they look good in live action. When you start to do OP shit, you know, Batman. Batman in live action looks 
dope. He's literally beating people up like he's a regular human being. When OP characters get on screen, there's always something wrong. It's whether it's Superman, shit, Superman Returns is like, eh. Men of Steel, a lot of people like it. There's a, there's a, it's, it's, it goes both ways. There's a lot of people that like it, and then there's a lot of people that don't. You know, um, the Eternals, um, Hulk. You know, when you get into OP things, it's like there's certain things Hulk can do that I still don't think they displayed in live action. There's certain things Superman can do that they still haven't displayed in live action. You know, even Spider-Man, like people think that he's just like beating up criminals. You know, he's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Spider-Man kind of has OP qualities. That I will say, you know, so I feel as though what DC did with their animation. I don't think can be duplicated because they did multiple stories in a certain type of fashion that did excellent shit. Like, to be honest, I hate the fact that a lot of DC animation was kind of like straight to DVD or went straight to streaming. You know, that was like the only way to get it. And that part sucked. Because imagine seeing Flashpoint Paradox in a movie theater. Or imagine seeing... um. Red Sun in a movie theater. You know, the, the, and I say that to say this, you know, certain things can be re released theatrical and it'll help cover costs. I'm not sure how much the budget was for Into the Spider-Verse. Um, anime recently, if you remember Dragon Ball Brawly, got released in theaters for like two weeks. They said it was only going to be in theaters for two weeks. Two weeks. It set records in between that time because they put it in, it took it right out. I feel as though that DC animation missed the ball in trying to put those, they could have made them feature presentations. But back to the matter at hand. Seeing Miles Morales in a live action form, I feel as though these two movies, Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse, and soon to be Beyond the Spider-Verse, are going to ruin my perception of how I see him. They, obviously they are. They're probably going to ruin yours too. They're going to ruin your perception of how you see him in live action. And it's going to suck. Like, I know Miles has uh, certain abilities and the way that he is shaped. You know, the way he's shaped in the movie, he's like, he's almost frail, you know, because he's a kid. He's what? If you, if you want to play it per se, he's 15, 16 years old. And, you know, his, his look I don't think it's translatable to a kid that's 16 in a live action form show, a live action form movie. I don't feel as though his power scale because he has the, he can garner electricity 
And what he can do with that power can't be translated on screen either. I'm sure you could do it. But will it look cool? These are the things that like we have to think about. It's probably the reason why Marvel is so hesitant to put the X-Men on screen. Because you really have to do that right. You can't just not do that right. You know, it's kind of, and, and that's, that's another example. The nineties X-Men animated cartoon series that you, we used to see on Fox every Saturday might've skewed my, my, my perception of what I wanted for the X-Men movies. The three that came out were okay. Like when I saw them on screen for the first time, I just thought it was like, this is cool. But it it didn't blow my mind because I remember watching those animated cartoons and I saw the power scales and who they introduced and like the introduction of the Shi'ar Empire and slews of mutants being introduced in every single fucking episode uh, between Morph and uh, Lalandra and... Emma Frost and Jubilee. It's like, you know, like, come on. Like, they have a hard enough time just putting one casting together for one certain uh, character in the Marvel Universe or in DC Universe. The X-Men is a vast group of mutants. How are they going to get that shit together? But what I'm saying is, you know, animation is pretty much it. It's how it should be done. If you really want to get the aesthetics of comic books and how they're supposed to be perceived, you probably want to start there first. Because I talk about indie comics so much, one of the, one of the perceived jumping points that most people talk about is getting their getting their storyline adapted. And they always talk about adapting them to live action. Like I've seen a few that have come out with some sort of either 2D uh, or storyboard type animation, almost as like a head start of what this would look like if it happened. And I feel like if you have a very divested plan going forth and getting your storyline out there. My advice to a lot of indie creators that make comic books is that you might want to, if you're, if you're successful in your comic book and people really want to see it, why wait for the Hollywood bag when there's other artists that are right out there putting storyboards together making 2d art and can come up with a plan to make it into a 30 second at 30 second animation maybe even an anime so many people now doing that want to do manga they can turn manga into anime they can turn comic books into animated features whether they're 30 to 45 minutes long, make short stories. They talk about the, 
the introduction of somebody writing a comic book is maybe jumping into the point of writing short stories first, anthologies, to where they're maybe around like five to six pages. Tops. It gets you started. If you can win there with 30 to 45 minutes, 15, 15 minutes. Shit, I'll cut it back. 15 minutes. Maybe. If it's seen by a lot of people and you already have a buzz going around your comic, it might be seen as something that you would like to do that people want to want to see that in some sort of live form, but not necessarily getting actors involved. Put it out there for the people to see. It's not hard, right? Or is it? You work this hard to get an anchor, a penciler, a colorist, a letterer, a cover artist. It's literally going right back to that square one. They have people that are strictly working in animation, doing exactly what you just did in making the comic. That knows the ins and outs of making animation that might be able to do that for you. And I feel as though we're missing a mark. Invincible was one of the greatest comic book movies. I'm, I'm sorry, greatest comic books that there ever was. People say that opinionatedly. People say that verbatim with all the desire and love in their heart. And they released it as a cartoon. And it was the shit. Is it not saying something? So in this play, we have one more movie to go with Miles Morales' character arc in animation with Beyond the Spider-Verse. If it's not Sony Pictures Animation, if it's not how DC is putting together most of their profile and what they used to do with DC animation, why not you? Why not the quintessential comic book maker making their stuff into animated features? It's a question you should ask yourself. It's a question that you should ask yourself why you're not doing it. And I feel as though the perception out there for me is that Miles Morales stays in animated form. DC animation should come back stronger and heavier than ever. And I feel as though the indie world could benefit off of animation more than it does right now. So that's my time. This is James Grandmaster Facts Boys. Thank you for tuning in to the Facts Project. And we are out.